The Orioles' bullpen has a good number of left-handers heading into 2024, and today we talk about two of them kind of going in different directions, one with a lot of helium in D.L. Hall and another in Nick Vespi trying to fight for a roster spot. We review their 2023 seasons coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Thursday, November 9th, 2023, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and today we've got a special guest joining us. It is Bob Phelan from BSL's On The Verge podcast. But before we get to him and talk all things D.L. Hall and Nick Vespi, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50 plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. So today we continue our Orioles 2023 season player review series as Bob Phelan joins us once again on the podcast. We're going to talk D.L. Hall and Nick Vespi, but Bob, first of all, thank you for hopping back on to the Locked On Orioles podcast. Of course, love talking to anyone about Orioles baseball that will listen, and you are one of my favorite people to talk about it with, so thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. Uh, we love having you on, and, and generally, you know, when we've had you on in the past, it's it's minor league specific stuff, but... I'm sure you guys have, have felt a little bit on, on your podcast over the last year or so. Like people want to hear a little bit more about the major league team now because they've won 101 games. And I think you guys have done a good job over there of kind of mixing and matching, knowing that, uh, you know, your alley is still this system, but, but knowing that people want to hear about the big league team as the prospects get there. And, and one of those top prospects who still didn't, I would say, fully get there this season because he did end up only throwing 19 and a third innings out of the Orioles bullpen. But it feels like heading into this offseason and heading into next opening day that, Bob, we finally have at least an answer that, okay, if he's healthy, D.L. Hall will be on the opening day roster in 2024. I think this is the first offseason where we can finally say D.L. Hall will be with this team. Of course, there's a lot of other questions about him and his role that we'll get to. But looking back on what Hall did with the O's this season, coming up at the end of the year and, and really turning into a bullpen ace, what is the one thing you'll remember from D.L. Hall's 2023 season when looking back? Honestly, it was just the fact that he took it upon himself to say, look, this isn't working. Uh, I didn't get to you know, work out the manner I wanted to, to have my stuff fully here to be a starter. So let's change direction. How about I switch to focusing on being a reliever, and then he went down to Sarasota, adjusted, and when he came up, he was really good out of the bullpen, and especially in the playoffs, I felt like he came up big in big moments, even though even though the Orioles, uh, they disappointed us in the in the playoffs, I would say D.L. Hall did not. He, he, uh, he looked electric out there, and hopefully he can carry that over into spring three. Yeah, I think for me, the playoffs is going to be what I'm going to remember the most out of DL Hall season. And it was a, a pretty good regular season. It was 18 appearances once the Orioles finally recalled him to be a reliever kind of full time on the season. He got that one uh, little stint and a double header, I think, in Detroit early in the year where he pitched once and then went back down. But overall, 18 appearances, 19 and a third innings and a 3.26 ERA for DL Hall this season. 18 hits, seven runs allowed. 
But 23 strikeouts to five walks and two homers in those 19 and a third innings was really impressive. But the postseason was where, I mean, you could make a strong argument that as the Orioles got swept out of the ALDS, D.L. Hall was the O's most impressive performance in the postseason. Two appearances, three and a third scoreless out of the bullpen, one hit, one walk, and six strikeouts. And if anybody kind of showed themselves to the world in that postseason, because although Gunnar Henderson was good, I think most baseball fans knew who Gunnar Henderson was at that point. He's going to be AL Rookie of the Year. I think with that sweep, the one guy who like showed himself on the biggest stage to baseball fans was D.L. Hall in this Orioles postseason. Absolutely. And I think we were all having a little bit of prospect fatigue when it came to D.L. Hall. Like, I feel like for the past two or three years, we've been expecting him to just come up and kind of do what Cobb Radish and Grayson Rodriguez did the past couple of years. And, you know, it hasn't happened, but that doesn't mean he's not a talented arm. And yeah, he really showcased what he can do. And I actually think he can do even better moving forward. I think his velocity could probably, if he focuses on being a reliever next year, I think his velocity could tick up even more. And he gets great extension as well, so it makes the play up even more. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. And, you know, what, what happens to him next year? We'll get to that in a second. But to kind of finish off his season, what I thought was really interesting is what, what D.L. Hall has, has shown us from this, yeah, small sample size, 19 and a third innings. But what he has shown us is when if he does become a long-term reliever, he's not just going to be like a lefty-lefty guy. He's not just going to be a guy where you put in there, you know, you got lefty-righty-lefty coming up, D.L. Hall goes and gets that pocket and then comes out of the game. Hall was better against right-handers in the big leagues this year. Righties against him this season hit 233. He had a 38% strikeout rate against righties. He struck out 18 of the 47 right-handers he faced. Now, he was still good against lefties, but Average was up. Strikeouts were way down. Only a 15% K rate against left-handers. And it felt like to me, Bob, that like that is good for both sides of the argument. That's good for the put him in the rotation argument. That's good for the he's more than just a lefty specialist reliever argument because if he can get righties out at that clip, he's more dangerous in both spots, really. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think the years of being developed as a starter and having four pitches that he can go to kind of helps him in that regard, his changeup has developed extremely nicely. He's got a devastating changeup. I think that's why he's so good against righties. Maybe the slider didn't play up as well this season based on what he was doing. But I think, yeah, I think you could argue either way. I, I, I'm curious what they're going to do moving forward. But regardless, either way, he's just another high upside arm that the Orioles had to play with for, what, six more years? Yeah, those, those three main pitches, and he did throw a few curveballs this year, but the three main p- pitches, the four-seamer, the slide, of the changeup, all had more than a 30% whiff rate. And once you get over 30%, you're looking at a pretty good swing and miss pitch. The changeup was at 36%. That was his best swing and miss pitch this year. I think that pretty much tells you why he was striking out so many right-handed batters this season. And just from that role, I mean, last thing kind of before we get to the conversation of what his next year looks like is that I was just so impressed, and you talked about this a little bit already, like, that was one of the weirder seasons anybody's ever had. Like, he comes into spring training, and he's got the back issue, so he can't build up, and he always wanted him to be a starter, but he didn't have time to build up to be a starter, so, you know, he he wasn't ready for opening day, and then eventually he goes to AAA, and it's going well, but he felt like, I didn't get strong enough, and then he had to go do the weightlifting in Sarasota, which was just a a very odd process that we haven't seen really any other Orioles prospect do. And for him to still come out at the end of the year, looking like a guy who I think Orioles fans trust at this point, 
is pretty impressive for Dio Hall. And I don't think we'll ever know truly how much of all of that was his decision versus the Orioles' decision. He talked about it some this year, right? About how, you know, he was totally bought in. He felt like he needed to go down to Sarasota, but you never really know. I just felt like that was really impressive how he worked through all of that. Yeah, I think, you know, I think we've seen him as a guy that can get a little too amped up. He's a little too competitive sometimes, and that can lead to his walk rate going up, which, by the way, his walk rate was actually pretty excellent, uh, for, especially for him um, when he was in the majors this season. But that competitive nature, I think that showed itself on the way he was able to make it to the majors, even with things not going his way. So, yeah, I think a uh, lot to look forward to with this young man. So people know what the conversation we need to have is, and we're going to have it coming up next. Reliever or starter for D.L. Hall in 2024 and beyond. That's what we get to right after this. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Jace Medical. Now, what is Jace Medical? Jace Medical is the company that is there when you need it. They've got their main product. It's called the Jace Case. It is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that treat the most common and deadly bacterial infections. You can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your unique needs. And the Jace case, it now offers all this customization, all this flexibility for you, and you can get a gift card. So you can buy a Jace case for a family member or a friend. So go to jacemedical.com and enter code Locked On at checkout for a $20 discount on your order. That is promo code Locked On at jasemedical.com. So we're here with Bob Phelan, one of the co-hosts of Baltimore Sports and Life's On the Verge podcast, a great, great pod that covers all things Orioles, minors, and major leagues as well. It was on that pod just a couple of weeks ago, so make sure to go check out that episode as we did some off-season predictions. But this, Bob, will be more of a next-season prediction that we're going to talk about here. D.L. Hall. The question is, is simple, yet not. Reliever or starter in 2024? Yeah, and on that episode you came on, I think I predicted that he would win the fifth starter job in spring training and keep it. I mean, that's definitely not a lock, but I think they're going to give him every opportunity to do that. I think why not, right? You can develop him as a starter this offseason, see if if he's able to do the weight training all offseason long and keep his velocity, have it at a good level coming into spring training and into the season. If he can pitch the way he did um, – in the last month or two of the season, uh, over five or six inning stretches, I think he will take that any uh, day of the week. And if not, if you know he struggles again and you want to move him to reliever, that's a lot easier than starting him as a reliever and, and needing him to come into the starting rotation potentially. But yeah, it's I think he'll either be a starter or the closer by the end of 2024. That's my prediction, I think. I think we saw him hit triple digits in spring training a couple of years ago, and we know he's capable of that. So I think... Even though he was already in the 77th percentile, the fastball velocity, I think it'll be even higher next year. Yeah, I think it's also harder to answer the question now because we need to see what the Orioles do this offseason before answering this question. Because Michael Elias said the other day, I would like to add at least one starter and at least one reliever. And then he went on his typical Michael Elias, but, 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 a lot of buts. But I do think they are going to add a starter and a reliever. They're, they're going to kind of have to. And even if it is like digging more in the bargain bin, they're going to add two guys who are probably going to stick on their major league roster as long as they're healthy for most of the season. The question is, what is the success level? What is the talent level of those guys they add? And would they consider adding a second reliever, which I think 
they probably should do this offseason because you just don't know what's going on with Dylan Tate right now. And they're coming into this offseason with way more bullpen questions than they had last offseason. Now, I do think that this next spring training is really going to be the first normal, healthy spring training DL Hall's really had at the big league level. So I think it would be a good idea for him and for the Orioles for them to give him every chance to be a starter because he still believes he can do that. I think the Orioles still somewhat, somewhat, not fully, but somewhat believe that he can do that. And so they should give him that chance, but he's kind of in the same boat as Tyler Wells, where I think they're going to both be given that chance next spring training. And if both of them become relievers, that might be okay, as long as the Orioles have the starting pitching depth to move them into the bullpen. I do think the O's will at least sign a starter, which at least gives them you know, five guys to work with, right? At the very least, they sign a starter. They go in with Bradish, with Rodriguez, with Means, with Kramer, and that fifth guy, and hopefully you would have somebody else for a little bit of depth, and I think they can go in with Hall in the bullpen. And then it kind of comes to that next part of the question, which you already talked about. Like, how much do you think the lack of Felix Bautista will play into this equation for the Orioles next year when it comes to DL Hall? I think a little bit. I don't think entirely just because with a, an arm this talented, a guy who was a top 100 prospect for multiple years now, I don't know if you just drastically change your plan with him just because the closer got hurt. I think that might dictate what they do with maybe some other guys, maybe like a Chase McDermott or even what they do with acquisitions this offseason. But I, just something I, I thought about with the innings, he hasn't been able to pitch. You could even start him if he, you know, performs in spring training, you come out of the gate with him as a as a starting pitcher and you can transition him into the bullpen maybe after the trade deadline if they want to make a big move there. So again, just flexibility is a is a good thing right now when it comes to DL Hall. Yeah. I think that also could be Tyler Wells's planned role because he showed us two years in a row that after the trade deadline, uh, the line starts to go in the wrong direction right there. So we will see. It's a tough question. I I believe in DL Hall. I've, I've been a pretty big DL Hall believer for a while, and I've been on the train for a while to just keep letting him try to be a starting pitcher because it's so enticing with what he could do. And when he was at his height of prospect status, we were like, could this guy be Blake Snell? Like that was the thought with the stuff he had, the way he worked. Is the ceiling now more like Josh Hader? Yes. Is that still a great ceiling? Yes, it is to be one of the best closers in baseball and have that electric stuff from the left side. I do think they're going to give him a chance to start in spring training. I think he actually will, though, start the year out of the bullpen, not as the closer. I think the Orioles will have somewhat of a closer by committee. I think they'll bring in a veteran who's closed before but isn't like a Craig Kimbrell type. Um, I had number one on my reliever wish list was Hector Neris on an episode earlier this week, so make sure to check that out. My top 10 relievers I think the O's should go get in free agency. But I just think by the end of the year, Bob, if he can get righties out and he's got this stuff, and they've got solid bullpen pieces behind him. Like they have a collection of sixth, seventh, and eighth inning guys right now without Felix Bautista. He seems to me to be the guy best set up from what we saw in the postseason to step into that closer role. And the best thing about it is he showed the ability in the playoffs and in big games, right? To stretch across multiple innings, to, you know, pitch, get an out in the seventh and come back out and get guys out in the eighth. He could translate that pretty easily to being the guy who has good strikeout rates, who keeps the game tied in the bottom of the ninth on the road and holds your one run lead with the zombie runner in the 10th. The Felix Bautista special, Brandon Hyde loved having that. And I think the guy who's going to be on this roster in spring training, who has the best chance of being able to convert in those spots is DL Hall. And that's why I think eventually down the road next year, we're going to see him 
in that spot. And I don't know how close he'll be to Josh Hader. He's not going to be Felix Bautista. But if he shows what he's done out of the bullpen, really the last two years, I mean, he was good out of the pen down the stretch in 2022. I don't see anybody else in the pen having as good a chance to do anything close to what Felix has done. It's probably an unfair expectation because it's Felix Bautista, but he seems to me to be the best candidate for that role. It's actually the exact point I was going to bring up before you made it yourself. So yeah, I think if anyone is going to be able to do what Felix did that we we love so much that you've talked about so much on the show is that two inning save when uh, the runner comes out on second, it doesn't really matter because he's just blowing guys away anyway. It, it would be Hall for me as well. And even if he doesn't have the same control slash command that Felix does and walks a little more batters, I mean, okay, there's an open base at first base anyway. So yeah, that makes a ton of sense to me. So if, yeah, I think this is a, it's still a question that we'll have to answer more once we see a, a spring training roster, right? I, I think that's going to have a, a lot to do with it. So I'll give you, a, you know, you kind of answered the question already, but I'll put it to a numerical value over under 12 and a half starts for DL Hall next year. I'll say over, but he still ends the season as the closer. Okay. I'm going to say under, but I think it's going to be more than zero. I do think there'll be some times in there where before he takes that closer role, there'll be something there for him to get those starts. Either way, I think finally, right, we're like just we're very excited about DL Hall. It's like stay healthy. You're going to be on the opening day roster. There's still questions, but they're good questions to have. It's role questions. It's not can he get on this roster. Now, with DL Hall really emerging and I think is going to be on this team all of next year, it's one less spot for a guy like Nick Vespi, who is the other player I wanted to review on this episode. You know, a couple of, of left-handed relievers. And Vespi's getting a little older now. He's not old, but he's 28. And at this point, you know, he was the ultimate up-down guy in 2023. He he only had nine appearances. He threw 14 and two-thirds innings, 16 hits, seven runs, nine Ks, two walks, and two homers. It was it was really much less work for Vespi in 2023 than it was in 2022, and he was certainly an up-down guy that year as well. I think the first question on Nick Vespi is, do you think he survives the offseason on the 40-man roster? I do. And the main reason I do is because he still has an option year remaining. So, you know, that was something that I think the team values highly, especially with this past season. I don't think they had as many as they would have liked to be able to be the up-down guy. And I still think he's a very good pitcher. He's probably more in the Danny Coulomb. You know, you want to see him against lefties more often than righties, but he might not throw hard. He might be the opposite of D.L. Hall when it comes to that, when it comes to extension and velocity. But you know, he gets ground balls, he gets weak contact, and he still strikes batters out, and he doesn't walk barely anyone. So I still think he's a valuable pitcher as long as he has options. After that, I'm not so sure, but if he can, you know, get a little more steady playing time in the majors this year, maybe he can establish himself as that Paul Fry type of guy going into 2025 as well. Yeah, I think there's still a couple of guys ahead of him on like the DFA list for the offseason, right? Like Taron Bavra is probably a guy ahead of him. It's really close right now, I think, between him and Bruce Zimmerman on that list right now. But I do think Keegan Aiken is above both those guys as well. Ryan McKenna might even be above both those guys. So he's still like not the next man up. If he was next man up right now, I'd say that they're going to have to clear some space right now. But with the fact that, you know, five free agents just came off the roster. So they currently have five open spots. And this is a whole nother topic, but in terms of protecting guys from the Rule 5 draft this year, there is a chance that the Orioles don't protect anyone. 
Like just looking at the crop of guys who have become eligible this year, the guys who they would have protected, Kerstad and Westberg, they're already here. So, you know, the guys that they should be worried about are already on the 40-man roster. There's some interesting cases, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was zero or at most one guy, which means there's going to be a little more room to maneuver this offseason. So I would agree. I think he survives it. Now, here's the real question, right? Because if he's got those options, I think we would both agree he'll probably pitch for the Orioles next year, right? He's just, he's kind of a valuable guy to have up and down. He actually did a good job providing length this year, which I didn't think was in the works for Nick Vespi, but he had five of his nine appearances were two or more innings, and he had multiple three-inning appearances out of the bullpen, which I think makes him more useful out of that pen. So I think we would both agree he'll pitch next year. Here's the question, though. This time in 2024, is Nick Vespi still on the 40-man roster? Yeah, that is a, a lot tougher, isn't it? But um, yeah, while I'm thinking about that, if you want to delve more into that 40-man discussion, our episode that we're recording tonight on the On The Verge podcast is going to be about the options they have to put on the 40-man roster. So check that out. But I will say, I'll, I'll be an optimist. I like Nick Vespi. I'll say yes, but I think it's it's very borderline, very tough call. Yeah, I, I don't think he's bad. I just... His slider wasn't as good this year, which is concerning because that's his best pitch. It got hit a 364 clip. Again, it's 14 and two-thirds innings, so it's not a gigantic sample size. But I think the length makes him a little more valuable. But there's just, when you only throw 89 to 90, there's only so much you can do in the big leagues. And again, you can be Danny Coulomb. You can do it. But he is many steps away from being Danny Coulomb right now. And I think that's the issue. There are stone-cold locked-in three lefties ahead of him right now in the bullpen in Coulomb in Perez in Hall and depending on what happens with Cole Irvin's role next year he could also be ahead of Nick Vespi as a bullpen lefty which really puts Vespi in a bad spot and I just think maybe through no fault of his own just with the Orioles getting better at some point in the middle of 2024 he may even be in Norfolk when this happens we're going to see a Nick Vespi DFA, and I think it's just because there's no space for him. And what I will say is I think someone will claim him and he will pitch a solid amount in the big leagues next year because he's like a useful big league middle reliever. I just think, and and this has kind of been across the board, and this is what we'll finish on, Bob. I think he just ended up getting to the bigs like at the wrong time for the Orioles. If he could have fought his way one year earlier onto the big league roster, this could be a completely different conversation. But he has been like the up-down guy for two years. Like it's stories been written about it. It's just a tough life for him. I feel a little bad for him at this point. I just think he's like a wrong place, wrong time guy for where he is with the O's right now. Yeah. And I think that's he's not going to be alone in that factor when it comes to the, the Orioles now with all the guys coming up at the same time. Um, maybe if Easton Lucas can get you Fuji, maybe. Nick Vespi can get you another shot in the dark, you know, type of guy, high upside thing. So, yeah, you make great points. So you're kind of turning me over to maybe he won't be here this time next year. But regardless, he'll I do think I agree with you that he'll have a, a major league career for the at least the next few years. Yeah, I like that. I like the East Lucas point, though. That's kind of true, right? Like Lucas may be a little more valuable to some teams just because like he's not running out of his option years yet. But in general, like Vespi's a better pitcher at this point, probably so. Maybe you could get some sort of lottery ticket if you don't think Vespi's a piece. Maybe that lottery ticket you bring in could be. But Bob, thank you so much for joining us once again. Um, I know you plugged it once already, but let everybody know where they can find your podcast and your work. I'm sure many of my listeners listen to your pod as well, but if they don't, let them know where they can find it. Yeah, just search on The Verge anywhere that you can get your podcast or follow The Verge podcast on Twitter. 
I even started a TikTok. I don't know how to do it, but I'm, I'm trying my best. There's a lot of Connor on there right now because I'm just featuring last week's episode. But uh, yeah, follow us anywhere you can think of. We even have an Instagram, a Facebook page. So, you know, get your grandparents on there and follow us. So yeah, On The Verge, just search it. Orioles On The Verge. So that was Bob Phelan from On The Verge. Again, check out his pod for all things Orioles minor leagues and major leagues as well. Another great O's podcast. That'll do it for today. We're back for one more episode this week tomorrow. I've talked about my wish list for starting pitchers in free agency. I've talked about the relievers. Yes, maybe the Orioles don't need to add some hitters, but I feel like they might add at least one. So tomorrow to finish out the pod, my wish list, top 10 hitter free agents. So I'd like the Orioles to go after this offseason. That is coming up tomorrow. But until then... I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.